1: The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie.
0: Welcome to an all-new bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I'm your host, Rachel Melvin. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. As always, I hope you had a fantastic fucking weekend. (laughs) Um, I'm recording this episode early because Kevin and I have another very exciting trip to embark on. We'll be going to the East Coast soon to work on some interior design projects for a friend and do some antique shopping. and We're going to visit the elephant trunk, which is a very, very big spot meet on the East Coast that I'm super excited to see for the first time. And their opening weekend is actually... Um, the weekend before we will go, so I wanted to record this now, so even though I'll be on vacation, you can still have consistent content available to you as scheduled. So without further ado, let's jump right into this week's topic of discussion. Uh, this week we are talking about power, and here is the piece I wrote to go along with that. Gone with the Wind was always my favorite movie growing up. When they re-released it in Technicolor, I went to the theater and saw it, not once, not twice, but three times. I never minded how long it was. I was always too caught up in the acting, the costumes, the set design, and Scarlet. Just like her many male suitors in the movie, there was something about her that just captivated me. Perhaps it was the similarities I drew between her and the woman who introduced me to the film in the first place. My grandma. I always saw her as a Scarlet type, charming, determined, and very cunning. I've seen the movie plenty of times now, but it wasn't until recently. I felt like I was seeing it again for the first time. The acting, costumes, set design, it all still impacted me, but perhaps more than I ever realized. It was almost as if, playing before me, was the blueprint for how I've constructed my entire life. In the wake of the historical struggles we face today, I was able to see the movie from a completely different vantage point. I was able to relate to it in a way no one my age ever could until now. I saw a young woman whose biggest problem in life was unrequited love while on a quest to find her romantic partner. And I watched her graduate to adulthood early thanks to worldly problems that forced her to grow up prematurely thus erasing any trace of the promising life she once saw for herself. Characters echoing my own sorrows of heartache and injustice, lamenting about a flourishing life they loved that is now only a memory, cut me to the core. People's lives lost and unexpectedly changed forever. My favorite movie went from depicting history to reflecting current reality. I'm not special in my struggles, and I don't pretend to be, but I am connected by them. As I watched Scarlet, a character I've loved from childhood, learn how to stand on her own, I realized I was watching someone else's story of becoming a bitch. And it wasn't far from my own journey now. Dealing with the obstacles life has to throw at us in the best way possible, while recognizing exactly what's important and worth fighting for. As I watched with acute attention this time, I felt the optimism that's most often lost on the film's audience. It's not a depressing movie with a terrible ending. It's life. It's about how fun, beautiful, and exciting it can be, and then how it shapes us in all its cruel and unforeseen ways. It's about learning to adapt and survive using the best tools at our disposal. It's about learning how to stand on our own and fight for what we want, deserve, have, and want to preserve. It's about learning to be grateful for the things we often take for granted and vowing to do whatever possible to make sure we never lose them again. As I look around at the rubble of my life, I notice my ego negotiating ways I've failed or should be ashamed. Yet, when I replace it with the filter that existed 80 plus years ago, I realize I've not failed at all. I've done what countless others have done before me, albeit with far less grace in the face of struggles that still pale by comparison. I've pressed on. I've persevered. I've blazed a trail bore out of survival that takes no prisoners and makes no apologies. I am Scarlet, just as I saw my grandma being her as well. And where the world sees her as a one-dimensional, selfish, cold, calculating bitch, I see a complex woman with standards— fearless, determined, poised, and taking control of her own destiny with resilience and guile. She was a woman ahead of her time, and so am I. Hope is not lost. The past can be rebuilt, better than before, and so can we. After all, tomorrow is another day. I'm just going to say that thing that you're not supposed to say— I'm really glad they didn't ban this movie. <laughs> I know it's a very controversial comment, but this movie was just such a cornerstone that formed the foundation of my entire upbringing regarding its thesis, which I never even realized until I just watched it back the other night with Kevin. I think I hadn't watched this movie in a really long time because of what I said in this piece, which was just, I, I viewed it even despite all the beauty of it that I loved so much, the costumes and the set design and the acting. I I did think it was kind of a bummer. <laughs> it was kind of a bummer movie to watch. And you had to really be in the right headspace for it. You know, if you were up, it would bring you down. And if you were already down, it might drag you a little further. It just depended how much you wanted to cry or if you needed to cry at all. But there was something, I think I watched this almost right after I had written the piece about my grandmother. And I think it was because it it made me feel like a way to connect with her. This was a movie I only ever saw with her, in fact. And so watching it with Kevin was the first time I watched it with anybody else. And it it just felt like something I could do to make me feel better because I was missing my grandma. Specifically, very much on the night that I chose to watch this with him. And it was this surreal experience because it was like I was seeing it for the first time. It just felt like a totally different movie. And I'm not sure how many years had passed or have passed since the time I most recently saw it that I'm talking about and the time I saw it before. It was at least like three or four years, and I had done a ton of growing up. I mean, we've all done a lot of growing up just in the last 24 months alone give or take, but I had a totally different viewing experience. Um, it was also the first time I'd watched it since all the controversies surrounding it. And like I said, I'm so glad that people spoke up, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, on its behalf to to keep it as a historical piece that we could all view and reference, be- not just for the reasons I'm about to dive into, but obviously the racial aspect Hattie McDaniel was the actress that played the character Mammy, and she was the first African-American actor to win an Academy Award. Erasing her work would have been a huge disservice, not not just to the acting community or the African-American community, but to civil rights. I mean, honestly. And actually, one of the things that I discovered after watching it this most recent time was Hattie McDaniel wasn't even allowed to go to the Oscars to accept her award because of segregation. And if this movie wasn't around, I wouldn't be able to bring this up in conversation and educate the public listening to this podcast that shit like that happened in a way where we can be aware of it to prevent shit like that from ever happening again to anybody, especially right now. So <laughs> there were there were a lot of like awarenesses and kind of epiphanies that came to me while watching this. And uh, one of them was just realizing that I think perhaps because I'd seen this movie so young, I didn't realize that my entire life journey and the thesis of how bitches are made is, is kind of influenced by this story. It really is ahead of its time when it was written by Margaret Mitchell and when it frankly when it was made in the 1930s i mean we're we're talking about civil rights but also like females you know have been struggling for their rights for years as well and this movie coming out in the 30s being so much centered around a female character but a strong female character who Whose plight was not just to find love, but it went from going to find love to just being able to be fully capable and functioning of surviving on her own without a man. Because of outside circumstances. Like that is just so awesome to realize people were fighting for women back then. People have always been fighting for everybody behind the scenes it's just a matter of when it gets when the fight gets large enough and the movement gets big enough for us to actually sit up and take notice and and collectively make a change but it makes sense when i think about it that seeing this movie so young would then kind of influence me wanting to be this strong and independent woman that can take care of herself and survive without a man I just didn't realize that the seed was planted so long ago, <laughs> and so it was it was kind of like a trippy thing for me to watch personally. Um, and I saw I saw Scarlett in a very different way, not just as someone that I kind of grew up admiring. But if I'm being honest, I think a part of me, even when I was younger watching it, was like, yeah, you know, sh- she's not really nice. She could be kinder. She could be more likable. But she really has beautiful dresses. <laughs> But I realize now, I'm like, no, she was going from a girl to a woman. And she was having to be ruthless and cunning just to to do these things that she needed to do. And this goes back to kind of what we talked about last week about Travis Kalanick with Uber and how he kind of was like, "You have to be an asshole in order to get ahead and And you do. You have to kind of or at least at least there is a belief in these types of people or characters that they have to sacrifice some moral part of themselves in order to succeed or survive, which I think is really, really fascinating and uh, interesting to think about. So aside from realizing that had kind of influenced this really whole concept of mine in podcasts, uh, I started to find parallels in myself and Scarlett outside of just that, outside of just that basic journey. And it was really in just the, the history that's unfolding currently, and how that runs parallel with the history we've seen in the past which is kind of ironic because all of these stories and movies and books are written and told and made as cautionary tales so that we don't make the same mistake as a society so we can do better next time and i just thought it was funny because obviously we're not going through the exact same thing that we were during the civil war era But we are going through war now. And at the time I was watching this, um, we weren't. Ukraine and Russia were not at war with each other. But it still sort of felt like we were in a war before then. I sort of feel like the people are at war with governments and we're at war with each other over divisiveness and beliefs that we have about certain things, which, to be honest, should not be things that anyone's talking about with each other. It's my personal belief that um, your medical history and information should be private, just like your political affiliation should be private. And I think that with all the discussions going on, we see why that has always been the case, why it's in our best interest to kind of keep those things private, I think. But regardless, things are happening the way they're happening, and we're having to deal with them in the challenging ways that that we're facing. So I never thought... In a million years, I would say this, but I actually felt like Gone with the Wind was inspiring, motivating, and um, made me feel better. (laughs) It actually uplifted me because it, again, it made me feel like I wasn't alone and not just because everybody collectively in the world right now in present day America or globally is going through similar things, but because we have as an entire species gone through the same things. They might look different, but fundamentally they're quite similar. And there was some kind of comfort that I found in that, feeling like we're all in this together and we always have been as long as we choose to continue to be. And it's interesting because, again, we're talking about the Civil War where the North and the South were divided. And this is actually a really perfectly timed episode i will say because in the civil war the north and the south were divided but it didn't mean that everybody in the south agreed with what the south was fighting for and to that degree it didn't mean that everybody in the north was agreeing with what everybody in the north was fighting for we have a tendency to make general statements i know i certainly do a lot like i love generalizing it's one of my favorite pastimes But I also accept that there are nuances and specificities that create exceptions. When we stereotype, we have to understand that that's a general mass, but it's not the rule. There are, of course, exceptions. And right now, um, just as a sidebar kind of to speak to what's going on currently, I think we can all apply that to what's going on here in the United States with regard to politics and medical opinions and vaccine mandate opinions and things like that and also what's going on within our government um, what's going on with Ukraine and Russia we all need to understand that people are people and we're only as strong and as good as we are together we can still be united while divided if I guess is what I'm trying to say, if that makes sense. So long as we are accepting, loving, kind, compassionate, and understanding. And this really does come back to, again, community. We really need each other to survive and get through the hard times. Another thing that I wanted to speak to with regard to this movie was the concept of change, which we talked about last week. And you recall I said like all of these episodes are kind of interwoven within themselves and each other and play into one another. But what I found, there was one speech in particular of this movie that really spoke to me and really validated me enough for me to kind of get over the slump that I felt like I was in. And it was pertaining to change. Um, The character Ashley is in the stables with Scarlet. And they're talking about the times they used to have together at 12 Oaks when life was so good. For them, life being good was exorbitant wealth and they had balls and parties and barbecues and they all got to wear fancy dresses and go horseback riding and play polo and whatever the hell they did back then and they were missing those times and don't you just wish we could go back to those days unfortunately they're gone forever gone with the wind that's sort of how I feel about with my relationship with LA and acting I sort of felt like I was forced out of both of them prematurely unwillingly with without any notice and I find myself a lot of times looking back kind of romanticizing those moments because god knows when I was in them I was talking shit the entire time I fucking hate auditioning why didn't I get this job this is so unfair blah 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 or I hate LA there's too much traffic everyone's an asshole to each other oh man would I bitch but now I look back and I'm like, I miss being able to walk to all these restaurants and grocery stores and I miss city people and I, I miss my neighborhood park and going to get a cup of coffee and I miss driving over the hill to auditions and sitting in a casting office because even now auditions have changed forever. They're not in person. They're all like video submissions. It's so impersonal. And I really miss those times now. And, and I don't think that that was something I I said last week, and if I did, I certainly didn't say it very concise and directly, which is we have a tendency to do that. We don't – by not living in the present, we don't appreciate what we're experiencing and the sanctity of it because it will be gone eventually, nothing lasts forever, And then the minute it's gone, we spend time living in the past, lamenting about what we miss and how it will never be again. And if only we had known better, we would have appreciated it more. And all the while we're doing that, we're missing out on what is then the present, (laughs) lamenting about the past. Anyhow, so them saying this really resonated with me because I was like, wow, we all feel that way about some phase in our life. And there are many phases in our life that we had to let go of that we weren't ready or willing to. And what does that teach us? What did it specifically teach me? And it's just what I I just said, which is it all keeps coming back to this, being present and being grateful for the moments that we have right now because they are fleeting and we know that they could be gone and ripped from us in a second, whether we want them to be or not, and we won't be able to get them back. However... Moving on to what else this movie teaches us is that we can rebuild and we can rebuild something so that it becomes better than what we had before. This is one of the reasons I actually truly love design because I love living in new places that are clean and neat and aesthetically beautiful and trendy and whatever and look nice But I love antiques and I love architecture from the past. I think things were just built so much better. There was more pride in the work that we did with our hands. We've talked about that before. And so I really, really love integrating antique pieces, architectural salvage into my interior design projects that I have Because they kind of give me the best of both worlds. There's the best of the new present day and then there's the best of yesteryear. (laughs) Um, But not just that. These historical pieces serve as tangible reminders just like the movie Gone with the Wind, which goes back to the point I opened with. Tangible reminders of where we came from, where we are, and where we're going. And what we want to take with us moving forward. believe Salvador Dali has a painting called where do we come from where are we going or maybe it was somebody Venus I'm pulling this from like senior year art history so I don't remember truly actually let's look it up really quick Gogwin that was on the tip of my tongue where do we come from what oh I'm sorry the painting is actually called Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? I believe my teacher senior year in high school taught us wrong. (laughs) I'm so serious. She told us it was where do we come from? Where are we going? There's a third question in there. All things come in threes. Anyway, that was a painting by Paul Gogwin. But I think Gone with the Wind kind of poses the same questions for us to answer. What have we learned from our past that we can apply to our future moving forward while being in the present and accepting, acknowledging, and embracing who we are in all of our flaws, in all of our evolution, in all of our growth, in all of our messiness because just like we talked about in change, like we are constantly a work in progress. We ourselves are constantly changing because of all the different influences we have day in and day out. So the biggest takeaway from this movie viewing experience was obviously the theme of this week's episode, power. That's what I got from it. I felt... Very powerful watching it. I felt like it was motivating me. It was telling me. It was it was validating me. It was telling me it was okay to feel how I was feeling. It was telling me it was perfectly normal to feel how I was feeling. It was telling me that I am not the only person feeling this way. And perhaps I needed to talk about it openly and find my people and like kind of, you know, just have that conversation to feel like I'm part of a community and feel like this feeling is very universal. And then it gave me optimism and hope and motivation, and almost like a roadmap and a green light and a pat on the back and affirmation telling me it's okay to take the reins. It's okay to do what you have to do. Just move forward, be your own boss, be your own leader, and make sure that you're living the life that you want and that you're not sacrificing or letting go of anything that you never want to lose again. You have all the power. If you claim it. And then, of course, we watched um, Super Pumped, which has kind of been throwing kerosene on this fire that started within me. And it's been really exciting just to see people who have been in the same boat or who are in the same boat dealing with it in a much more almost callous way to where they're kind of just like, fuck it, I'm doing what I gotta do. I think a lot of us feel guilty doing that and seeing people do it normalizes that behavior to where we feel more comfortable doing that also. And then we don't get in our own way by being insecure and questioning our own behavior and sort of second-guessing our actions and behaviors. Look, I'm not preaching or suggesting that everyone be a colossal see-you-next-Tuesday or asshole. (laughs) But I do think we need to have a little more edginess to get through these harder times that we're sort of up against right now that we frankly have never had to navigate our way through. And honestly, I said it in this piece, people from the uh, what did they call it the last great generation, the people that were born in the 20s and 30s, you know, that went to wars and they they went through the depression and they saw the ups and downs of the economy and the world and they saw a lot of death and plague. Those people were great. And they were people that had been through it enough to where they could have offered us guidance, but a lot of those people aren't with us anymore, sadly. And so we're sort of left to our own devices and also historical references to light the path moving forward. And this movie really did that for me. Which is also kind of funny because this is an older movie that I cannot believe is already 80 years ago and just as relevant today as it was back then. So you have that old thing mixed with the new thing I keep referring to, which is super pumped. Anyway, those were those are two movies that I found to be inspiring and kind of get me to... Pick myself up and dust myself off and start moving forward with a little more ruthlessness and far less apologies. I can honestly say I'm in a, um, I've given the least amount of fucks I ever have in my life right now to the point where I think I've started to speak my mind more openly, publicly, even on this podcast um, with things I'm comfortable with that don't go against my own morals. It's, it's been working out for me so far, I can tell you, for whatever you want to make of that and take and borrow. I think a lot of the reasons we're so worried about playing by the rules or falling into line is, you know, because of cancel culture. I think that that's a huge part of it. But I also think it's because of filters, And social media. I've said this so many times. But we all feel like we have to be perfect. It doesn't feel like we're allowed to make mistakes. And if we do, we can't show them to the world. We'll be shunned. We'll be canceled. And that's just so ridiculous. Because we're all human. And being human is being innately flawed. Not to make this religious. But it's like, isn't that the whole basis of original sin? I mean, I don't believe in that. But uh, I do believe that we are constantly work in progresses and I actually saw this really really cute reel speaking of social media on Instagram the other day and I have a cavalier and anybody who has a cavalier who has had a cavalier knows they're just like the sweetest dogs I've started to follow a lot more animal accounts specifically cavalier accounts just because I'd like to go on social media and feel good and that's a surefire way to do that but there was a cute little reel of um question is why do dogs not live as long as humans and it was this really sweet little voiceover of this man explaining why as they showed a little cavalier like doing all the things he narrates which is well you know dogs don't have to live as long because unlike humans basically they enjoy life they lay in the sun they go for walks they eat they dance around they wiggle they stretch they do all of these things that humans don't take the fucking time to do So dogs don't need to live on earth as long because they've already learned how to enjoy life and so this life of theirs as a dog they're just enjoying. Humans on the other hand live long because they have to learn how to live life. And I liked that. I thought it's true. And we always think that that dogs are so perfect and amazing. And they are. Humans aren't. Humans suck. <laughs> they do. We do. I love people, but I hate people. <laughs> I think we all can be honest and say that that is how we all feel for being real. But part of the human experience is is learning. We're learning how to live properly. We're learning how to better ourselves. We're learning how to contribute in a collective way that makes the world A better place that makes our neighbor feel better about themselves and that ultimately makes us feel better about ourselves but we don't know how to do that we're not born knowing how to do that some of us are 80 years old and and we've never learned to do that that is the journey of life if you're doing that journey right and if you're doing it superiorly then you're sprinkling in a little bit of that dog lifestyle and making sure that you carve out moments to really enjoy what I keep saying we need to remind ourselves to enjoy which is the planet the earth that we are so lucky to be on and we just don't utilize in the ways that we are supposed to which is to appreciate it and see as much of it as we can and I know that's easier said than done but I think it should be something that we prioritize on top of being present enough to appreciate the people that we just happen to be alive at the same time as. There are so many times where I take edibles at night and it just blows my mind when I think about that. I think about this a lot specifically with regard to my dog Murphy. I can't begin to explain to people the connection that I had with that dog without si- without sounding like a crazy person. Or like, if I don't sound like a crazy person, then I sound like anybody else who tries to explain their relationship with their dog and thinks it's unique. <laughs> but I just had such a special connection with this dog. I didn't go anywhere without him. He was always at my side. We just would always have this way of communicating with each other by just just a stare, a glance. (laughs) If you're a fan of Bridesmaids, you know that inside joke. This dog just meant the fucking world to me. And I got him for almost 15 years, which is a really long time. I was very lucky. But it felt like it went by in the blink of an eye. And... This is a lot of where the regret episode came from too. There's so many regrets I have not taking more time to be present with him and like prioritizing bullshit work over taking him to the park. Like, oh God, what I wouldn't give for more park time now with him. But I think in moments when I'm high, I'm like, how fucking cool and amazing is it? Not just Murphy, but Kevin, my best friends, my family – Like, by some divine miracle and stroke of luck, I ended up being born into the family that I am. I got to have this first dog that I did. The man that I'm in love with is just so perfectly matched with me. How fucking lucky am I that I was alive, that I am alive, at the time that all these other people are? Because really, when you think about how long man has been alive and how long we could still be alive… That overlap, if there's one thing I wish I'd been more acutely aware of, it's that. That is so fucking precious to be aware of, to know that is the one thing that just drops you into the present more than anything, is just realizing like all you have is right now. Once those people and those connections are gone, they're gone. Depending on what your faith is or what you believe, you might get them back, but you might also not. We don't know what happens. I love to operate from that place of, (laughs) worst case scenario, there's the pessimistic attitude or the cynical attitude, but having that attitude is what drops me in more. It serves a purpose. It's just a really crazy thing to wrap your head around, I think, and I hope that we can all try to do that more honestly I think I just got off on like the longest tangent in the world but I I was talking about why we were why we were afraid to make mistakes and such Um, I think uh, we need to concern ourselves a little bit less with being perfect and honestly what the world thinks of us because it doesn't really matter you're living with yourself and if you are happy with yourself and you're making a positive contribution to the world and you know it in your heart then that's really all that matters at the end of the day because you are the one that has to live with yourself and the choices that you make. And I think if we were a little less concerned with being perfect and with what people thought of us, we'd actually be doing a lot better than we are. I know that that's kind of been what my takeaway has been from giving less fucks is I'm just like, you know what, it's the most confident I've ever felt it's the best I've ever felt about myself because I'm being authentic and I'm being true to me and that's just opened up so many more doors and realizations for what I want to do what I'm capable of and what is possible frankly there are a couple of notes that I made on this week's piece just little odds and ends I'll call them that I wanted to throw in before we wrap up here but One of the things that I loved noting about the movie is when Scarlett's hands are really messed up from picking cotton and plowing the fields and all this and that and she has to go ask Rhett Butler for money but she wants to assume the appearance of have actually this is this is such a great there was such a great segue I missed into the whole perfectionist uh, society we live in now. It's just, God, fuck, it blows my mind, the parallels, even though it's been 80 years. Um, People don't change, really, I guess, despite the change that we endure. She ends up trying to hide the fact that she's poor and struggling by having Mammy make her a beautiful dress out of these drapes because their house has been totally raided and ransacked by the North and they don't have anything anymore. So... She gets all dressed up and fancy. And of course, her cover is blown when Rhett turns over her hands and notices that it's that's not what a woman's hands are supposed to look like. Those are working hands. And so he calls her out. And his whole thing is he would have a lot more respect and appreciation for her and help her out if she had just been honest. And so he kind of punishes her for kind of trying to pull the wool over his eyes while he while finding it amusing. There's nothing wrong with going through a hard time. I can't remind people of that enough. We just have so much pressure to placate the masses and pretend that we've got it all figured out and we know what's up and we're the best people and we're living our best life. But you know what? I'm here to blow everyone's cover. No one knows what the fuck they're doing, okay? No one. We're all just trying to get by one day at a time. So why not be honest about it? Because you know why? That that normalizes it for everybody else. And when you take the pressure out of the pressure cooker, we can all relax and perform better because our heads are on straight. We've taken a breath. We know we're not in and alone. So that was one little um, thing I wanted to address. And then it was also just like the power of clothing. I think I wrote a blog piece on how bitches are made once because I decided to wear An outfit that was kind of like a la Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. And you watch that and you're like, no one would ever wear that out in the real world. Well, I tried. (laughs) And I got to tell you, I felt just as ridiculous as I did amazing. I felt very powerful and confident. And I do think that it's interesting how clothing can influence us. There is power behind clothing And this was very cute, actually. We were FaceTiming with my niece the other day. She was trying on the flower girl dress that i had picked out for her. And she's not even speaking yet. She's not even two years old. I don't know how many months she is. I hate the the month mathematic bullshit. I swear to God when I'm a mom, I'm going to be like, my child is one year and three months, even though all the moms are shaking their head right now and saying, no, you won't. You say that now. Believe me, my sister who's a mom tells me that all the time. Yes, I fucking will because I'm stubborn and I hate that shit. I can't do something I hate. I refuse to be a hypocrite. Anyway, so she was trying on this dress And you could tell even at that young age, which this was really fascinating, she doesn't understand the socio-economical or psychological anything about the world. Men, women, nothing. She doesn't get it. She can't even speak, right? But this girl puts on a dress. And you could tell she just felt so good about herself. You could tell she felt like she had so much value and power. And I just I said to Kevin, I was like, so funny, because women believe their value comes from looks. And here's a baby, essentially, that doesn't even understand that concept hasn't even been immersed into the world to begin to understand it or absorb it subliminally. And she's already taken on that stance. Like you can see she feels so good about herself. But it is funny. I mean, guys are the same way. Like when my nephew puts on his tux, he kind of has that air of confidence about him too. I wish we dressed up more. I think that that'd be really cool. That's something from the past that I'd like to implement a little bit more. I think it makes us feel better about ourselves. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to dress up either. I can't tell you. I get compliments on so many pieces of mine that are secondhand finds. So... It's possible. But that was something I wanted to point out too that I thought was really funny. And um, the final things that I want to say about power is recognize that you have the power within you. I think a lot of us are feeling powerless right now because the powers that be are trying to assert power over us. But we need to remind ourselves that the power is in the collective and the power is within. So summon that power within. Do what you need to do to assert yourself and press on to make sure that you can fight tooth and nail for those things that are important to you, that you hold dear, that you want to preserve, and that you want to obtain. We are all powerful. We just need to work on asserting ourselves in that power, reclaiming that power when we feel it's been stripped from us, and reminding ourselves that we can have it in the first place. It's totally within our control, and it's totally within our capabilities. When you fall, dust yourself off, keep going, Find things that work for you, that keep you motivated, and give you incentive to keep going, and just recognize that there are external things that we can do, like I've talked about watching movies, the way you dress, things that can make you feel powerful, and then stand in that power with pride and confidence, and just go forth and prosper. No shame, no regrets, no apologies. I think that's it. I think that is all I have to say. So thank you guys for joining us. Remember, you can always message us feedback at info at howbitchesaremade.com or you can message me on Instagram at the Rachel Melvin. And remember to like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all the things. Consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends, and we'll see you next week. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air?
1: For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning.